Clap. Amen. Open up your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 13. Somebody say, obey your leaders. Thank you for coming to this wonderful church today. If you're interested in the end times, I preached an impromptu message in the last service about that, so check that out. But I do feel led here to talk about obeying leaders. Go to Hebrews chapter 13, and let's go into verse 17. In the NIV, it says, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. And then, brother, put that in the King James as well, 1317. The word obey can also mean have confidence in. How many know those are like similar terms? Because when you obey someone, you trust them. How many get that? Uh, oftentimes, the, the disconnect in our culture between obedience and uh, trust is, is really hard to connect because, you know, people don't trust the police. They don't want to submit to them. People don't trust the president. We don't want to submit to them. But the Bible is a book of submission, and the Bible wants us to do it in the church from a way of trust. Notice it here in the King James, obey them that have rule over you. Notice in the NIV it was have confidence in those who have authority over you. Submit yourselves to them. And here the Bible says that they have have rule, and the word obey is there, and that can seem to be uh, a bit more intense, but I think it's the same thing. Have confidence in your leaders, submit to their authority, obey your leaders rule uh, because they rule over you, uh, submit yourselves to them. I think it's giving us the same concept, and most of the time in the United States, especially among the younger generation, we don't like this. We, do, we don't like it. I know when I was growing up, I was rebellious. I didn't want to listen to my pastor. I thought I knew better, and I'm going to tell you how how I think we're uh, living in this generation. It's like uh, Judges chapter 21, verse 5, and that's where everybody just wants to do whatever's right in their own eyes. Has anybody ever heard before, hey, I just serve God on my own, or you don't have to tell me what to do, you're not perfect, I'm just going to do this on my own. And the issue with that is when people are rebellious towards God, they don't listen to God's people. They don't listen to God's leadership. And there's a sense of like, we're spiritual, we we, we're really cool. We can do this on our own. That, that gets into people's heads. But it's actually just rebellion. Somebody say rebellion. Amen. Brother, listen to me today, please. Judges 21, verse 5. Did I say that? So I make sure I'm not going crazy. Did everybody hear me say judges? Okay, good. Because I know in the first service we had some disconnect with the, uh, the, the sound men. How many pray for them? Love them. I should have all you guys volunteer once at least back there. Okay, but I want you to notice this. Judges chapter 21. Uh, verse 5, oh, excuse me, verse 15 rather. Go all the way down to the, the book, in the book of Judges. Let's go all the way down. Yes, yeah, the last verse. Sorry, verse 25. It says, in those days Israel had no what? No king and everyone did as they saw what? Fit. So that's the kind of days we're living in today. Nobody wants a pastor. Nobody wants a leader. I go to whatever church I want. I hop from one to the other. That's a lot of things that's going on right now, popular church hopping. And then when we see, uh, if you could just put it in the other tab there, the Hebrews 13, 17, and then we see here a scripture, obey them that have rule over you. Uh, put it in the King James, please. When, when we hear that, we just don't think that applies to us. How many know what I'm talking about? I mean, let's just be honest. That doesn't apply to us. That applies to somebody else. I'm not supposed to obey Pastor Joe. I'm not supposed to do that because Pastor Joe's not perfect. I mean, all I have to do is read the Google reviews, listen to how other people have been upset with Pastor Joe. I don't have to listen. I don't have to listen to Nancy. I don't need to listen to the elders or deacons here because they're just people. They're not perfect. That's what people think. 
and they think they're above the Scripture. Now, if Paul just said it once, we should obey it. How many believe one time in the Scripture is enough? Amen? But it's said multiple times. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. It's said continually throughout the Scripture. And it's not just like it said there, just obey Jesus, just obey the apostles. No, it says obey your leaders, plural. Not just Paul, not just Jesus, but the leaders that you have in your life. Notice this Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always what? As you have always what? Obeyed. Help me preach, church. Don't let the babies out shout you today. As you have always what? Obeyed. Thank you. Not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in accordance to fulfill his good purpose. Now notice this right here. Paul says, I don't want you just to listen to me when I'm around. Listen and obey when I'm not around. And then he says right after that, continue to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Sometimes people would think that's a contradiction. Well, I don't need to listen to any man. I just need to work out my own salvation. It's between me and God. But notice working out your own salvation is listening to the leaders that God placed in your life. Now, if I said to you as parents, many parents here today, do you think your children should obey you? All the parents would obviously say yes. If I said to anyone here that believes in a, you know, a healthy society, a law-abiding society, should we obey our policemen? Should we obey our leaders? How many would say amen? And, and in, in school, teachers, so forth, should we listen to our teachers? How many would say amen to that? But why are pastors treated different these days? Now, somebody might say, well, it's because of how corrupt pastors have, have been. But that I means the same thing with teachers. You hear that with teachers. Teachers have sex with the students. How many know that's gross? That's against the law. They just found some child pornography in a family where the father of the man was a police officer. The woman was a teacher, and they were using their authority to do child porn. I think that should be a quick trip to meet Jesus in heaven for judgment day. How many believe that? I think that there are death penalties set in the cultures for a reason, and they need to teach people to stop messing with our kids. But, uh, you know, people may say that about teachers, but don't you still want your children to go to school tomorrow and listen to their teachers. Can I hear an amen? And, of course, we know there's corrupt police officers. There's been corruption throughout uh, the history of law enforcement. But how many know there's good police officers? And how many know you shouldn't be speeding or you shouldn't be breaking the law or doing X, Y, and Z? And, and so we would still believe you submit to authority. And then, once again, there's been corrupt governments. There's been corrupt soldiers. But we listen to our governmental leaders. And here's the, the caveat that we all need to have. Until it violates our Christian morals. But we don't use our Christian morals to be rebellious. We do it to honor God. In other words, when the mayor was telling me to shut down church during COVID, I didn't then go out and start looting the grocery store over here. I didn't start saying, well, I have a bad mayor, so now that just means anything goes. Because she's messing with me and taking away my right to assemble, now I'm just going to go loot the whole city. That's not how we solve the problem. Can I hear an amen to that? Okay, so we are not of the rebellious kind. We are not in that way. And, and let me just also make this caveat. Sometimes people will say, well, what about the American Revolution? Or what about times of a just war? Well, once again, you have to have cause for a just war. So, for example, your neighbor uh, doing something you don't like isn't permission for you to take a shotgun to his house, okay, and shoot up your neighborhood. How many understand that? 
But if your neighbor tries to come into your house in the middle of night and touch you and your stuff, how many know you can do that then? You see, it's, it's a pretty obvious understanding. So if we're in a nation right now and no one's trying to harm me, no one's trying to harm my children, even though I don't agree with the agenda of, of LGBT, even though I, I don't agree with the abortion law, say, in the state of Illinois, that doesn't mean now I go out and start killing people. That is not a just war. Just war has to be in the act of self-defense for the betterment of the society and the people. And so we, we talk about obeying our leaders, following those in charge. Just go to Romans chapter uh, 13, please. Also talking about submitting to the Roman government. Those were oppressors at that time. And yet Paul commanded them to submit to them, not in agreement, but in the sense of peace. Look at Romans chapter 13, starting in verse 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. Now, did that mean if the Roman soldier wanted to have pederasty to hurt their children in a sexual way that the Christian church should just go along with it? You think that scripture gave the right for the children to be molested? Yes or no? No, but what it's saying is all things being equal in the sense of what authority is there to do as a good, submit to it. And he clarifies it. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Now look at verse 3. For rulers hold no terror for those who do what? Those who do what? Right. Come on, y'all being quiet today? Look at the scripture. For those who do what? Right. I need you all to talk back to me. I'm, I don't know. Welcome to a church that I pastor where I need you all to talk back to me. Hello. Y'all, y'all glad to be here this morning? Just in case you forgot, this is a church where you talk back to me. Amen. For rulers hold no terror for those who do what? Right. But for those who do wrong, do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what is what? What is right and you will be commended. So that means if there's an authority that's doing wrong, he doesn't get the same submission from me as when he's doing right. That's why if you were in Nazi Germany, it would be right to rebel against Nazis. How many believe that? That would mean if you're in the time of the, of the slavery of the South, it would be right to disobey those masters and to be a part of the Underground Railroad. Now, sometimes people bring up the scripture where it says, slaves obey your masters, but in that context, the masters were more like bosses. Those were not people trying to harm you, rape you, and steal your identity. Can I hear an amen? As a matter of fact, the same term of, of slave and master used in the Bible is between us and Jesus. Does Jesus try to rape you? I said, did Jesus try to rape you? So he's your master. Is he a good master? That's right. Does Jesus steal from you? Does Jesus abuse you? Of course not. That's the relationship they were supposed to have. It was in the same context of, of employee, employer. And so when we look at the Bible and we now get rid of all these extremes, we're left right back where we were. Please go back there with me, Hebrews 13, 17, the King James. Obey your leaders. Okay? Are we talking about obeying your leaders when they're doing wicked things to you? When they're trying to harm you, that they're teaching you things that are false doctrines. No, that's not what we're talking about. When we're talking about obeying your leaders, are we talking about following leaders who want to harm your family? No, but at the same time, does it now mean that because someone has been bad in the church, someone has mistreated you, that you are free to disobey all of them? Of course not. Here's, here's the simple thing, and it's common sense. I see some of you getting it. Disobey the bad leaders, obey the good leaders. Okay? But now you need to know what a good and bad leader is. Amen? 
I said, you need to know the difference. Can I hear an amen? Amen. You have to know the difference because if you don't, then you'll get bamboozled. Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 14. So you need to know the difference between a good leader and a bad leader. Otherwise, we're going to fall into one of the ditches, which is on one side, it's, well, I listen to my leader and I do whatever they say. Yeah, but your leader's wicked. That's okay. That's my leader. The Bible says, touch not God's anointed. And then you're just living basically in a cult. And then the other side over here is, well, you know what? Because this one pastor was bad, I don't have to listen to any other pastors. I'm going to do what I want. They're all messed up anyway. That's another ditch. Let's try to ride our bike, not in the ditches, but on the road. Amen? Now notice this, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 14, take special note of anyone, somebody say anyone, anyone who does not obey our instruction in this letter. So now I know what a good and bad leader is. It's one that takes instructions from the, uh, a good one is one who takes instruction from the letter. If you're not taking instructions from the letter, then you're a bad leader. So I'm not supposed to be down with those who ignore the instruction of these letters. Now these letters are found in our Bible. Somebody say the word of God. Amen. So here's a good leader. They follow the word of God. What's a bad leader? Doesn't follow the word of God. Does everybody get that? Pretty basic. Take special note of anyone who does not obey our instruction in this letter. Do not associate with them in order that they may feel ashamed. Yet do not regard them as an enemy, but warn them as you would a what? Fellow believer. So notice this. If you see someone calling themselves a Christian, but they're not obeying the things of God, you need to stop associating with them. That's, a, that's your pastor, that's your elder, that's your deacon, that's a bishop, that's a televangelist, that's an internet personality. It doesn't matter who they are. If they're not taking note of the word of God and obeying it, don't listen to them. Let me show you another example of that. Go to 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 36 and onward teaches us if we ignore the apostles, we ourselves should be ignored. If I don't listen to what the apostle has to say about a matter, then you should ignore what I have to say. Does everybody get that? So that means if I go off on my own and I start telling you what I think about something and it's not what they think or have said about something, then ignore me. Notice what it says, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 36. Or did the word of God originate with you or are you the only people it has reached? Somebody say the word of God. Amen. See, in that other uh, uh, epistle in Thessalonians, it said the letter. But now we understand the letters are the word of God. Verse 37, if anyone thinks they are a prophet or otherwise gifted by the Spirit, so this is uh, this idea of I'm going to do whatever I want, I'm spiritual. Okay, so you think you're gifted. You think you're a prophet. Let them acknowledge that what I'm writing to you is the whose command? Whose command is it? The Lord's. Thank you. The Lord's command. So Paul is saying, when I'm writing these things to you in my letters, they're the word of God. They are the Lord's commands. But if anyone ignores this, they themselves will be what? Ignore. Don't you love the Bible? I love how it says that. You ignore this, I ignore you. You don't pay attention to this, I don't pay attention to you. That's the way it's supposed to work. Now, Every person has a choice to whose leaders, a leadership, and what leaders they are going to follow. Because each one of us are now going to have differences of what is 
instructed in that letter. And so if you're talking about John MacArthur, he doesn't believe the gifts of the Spirit are for today. He's actually charging people $300 to go to a conference to learn about how to be the frozen chosen, to learn not to speak in tongues, to learn not to prophesy, to learn not to go out there and cast out demons. And he's charging people $300 to do it. And he's a hypocrite because he says he has something against the prosperity preachers, and yet a lot of the people he calls prosperity preachers give out their information for free, even their conferences. And so yet here's this person. He thinks he's so smart. He's going to teach you how not to do things in the Holy Spirit but charge you $300 for it. Now, if I was in that church, I would have to obey that leader. But thank God I'm not in that church. Can I hear an amen? So it doesn't mean that every leader is to be obeyed. It's according to what the Scripture says. Now, if I was convinced in the Scripture that the Bible taught there wasn't gifts of the Spirit, then I would follow him as my leader. So ultimately, it's got to be what you believe the Scripture says. You have to be convinced about what this says. There are many leaders out there, but there's only one for you or one church that you're a part of. We are a part of the body of Christ, the larger universal church, but we're a part of local churches. So the question is, do you agree with what I'm teaching you? Can I hear an amen? You have to understand what I'm teaching you to even know if you can agree to it. And that's why, brother, we should put up the website for him. How many are thankful for our website? I hear this all the time that people are grateful that you can see what we believe because we don't want on major issues there to be any confusion. And sometimes sassy Christians come around. Now, listen, I'm going to be very clear with you. I don't have a problem with people coming around that disagree with these as long as they play nice when we're here, right? But then sometimes sassy Christians go, well, I disagree, but you don't want me to stay around because I'm going to convince other people that you're wrong. No, you're going to convince other people that you're stupid and divisive. That's why we don't want you around. Because I don't go to John MacArthur's church to try to subvert what he's teaching in his church. That's stupid. That's rebellion. Are you listening to me? If I don't agree with John MacArthur, I don't join his church to stay there to change John MacArthur. Anybody who ever believes that is in the wrong. That's not how God intends to change things. If God is going to change something in John MacArthur's life, God is going to do it through John MacArthur's peers and the ones that he has sent them as leaders. Can I hear leaders? God is not going to teach somebody in John MacArthur's church who's in rebellion. Or rather, God's not going to use somebody in rebellion to do a good thing. Can I hear amen to that? So here's our doctrines. Go ahead and touch on the confession of faith. This is what we say once a month at our time of communion. It's like our creed. It's very basic and simple. This is what we would say, um, you know, brings together Christianity. This would be the basics. Okay, then scroll down. We have the uh, 16 fundamental beliefs. This is in agreement with the Assemblies of God, a denomination that I was a part of. Now we're non-denominational, but we hold to the same Pentecostal doctrines. So if you look at the confession of faith as being the general Christian worldview, and then as the 16 truths that we affirm, this would be how we are as Pentecostals. So you would look at the big umbrella as Christians, and the people would say, what kind of Christian are you? You, you would say, I'm a Pentecostal Christian. Non-denominational just means we're not under the leadership of one denomination. But that does not mean we don't have agreement with denominations. Non-denominational does not mean not a denomination that I agree with. Non-denominational means you believe in an independent church. Can I hear you say independent? Independent. 
And independent, thank you. Independent means that we have our uh, rulership within the church. And even some denominations allow you to do that. So the Assemblies of God doesn't like to be considered a denomination by that definition because they don't control. They have what's called fellowships. So those of like minds join together. And so in that sense, you can see a difference between a fellowship and a denomination. The Baptists would be more of a stricter denomination compared to the Assemblies of God. Now if you scroll down a little bit further, you see our stances, the hot topics of our day. And I've done a sermon series on this, and it might be good to do it again. Just go through each one of them. How many think that would be fun? Talk about abortion, alcohol, church discipline, demon possession with Christians, divorce, holidays and Halloween, LGBT, um, racism, smoking and vaping, suicide, women in the ministry. Now notice, we put this all up here for your ability to go and research these things. Now, if there's something here that you, uh, uh, you notice something that's not there, rather, that's important to you, then you can ask a leader before you get close in fellowship to the church. Now, I want you to understand, all Christians are welcomed here. Non-Christians are welcome as long as they uh, let us know they're a non-Christian because we won't hold them to the same standard. But anyone who calls himself a Christian will be held to the standard of Christian living here. Can I hear an amen for that? Amen. And then as a Christian, it's okay if you don't agree with all of these things. Like, let's take, for example, suicide. Click on that. We teach that suicide is a damnable sin. In other words, we do not give assurance of salvation to anyone who has committed suicide. Would you click on it for me, please? What that means is, is we don't look at them as victims. We look at them as self-murderers. Can I hear an amen for that if you agree? Okay, we believe that there's mental illness, we believe that there's issues that surround it, but we stand with the historic church that this is self-murder and that the one who does that is going from one pain to eternal pain, okay? We do not believe that the suicide victim is in right standing with God, so we do not say they're in a better place. Now, someone might say, what about the last moments of their life or God's mercy? Those are things we don't know. Just like someone living in adultery or living in homosexuality, I don't know their last moments, but for the suicide person, it's pretty much safe to assume what they believed in their last moments because they killed themselves. But there could be a moment of change. Does everybody see that? Now, that might be triggering to some of you who have a family member or somebody you love that committed suicide, but I do that for you as the pastor here so that there's no surprise what I believe about suicide. So if that's important to you, let's say you had a family member commit suicide. In your mind, they're in heaven. Well, you better check out our website because whenever I talk about that subject, that's how I'm going to consider suicide. Amen? Amen. Now, let's go up to the top and just click on another one. Same thing is with alcohol. Go up to alcohol for me, please. A lot of times Christians have debated over whether or not uh, a Christian can drink alcohol or not. Here you see that we believe in moderation for adults, people of age, following the laws of the land, not being a drunkard. So if you are part of a church culture that you think all drinking is sin, no one could ever drink, you're going to be offended if I have a margarita, well, then you need to go find another church. Can I hear an amen to that? There's no reason of staying here trying to judge me on what you believe when I disagree with you. Now, can Christians have disagreements and debates? Yeah, we can. I mean, we can do that. But the church is not for the debate. The church is for our agreement. Can I hear an amen to that? I really want you to work your way through this. And your amens are helping me know you're understanding this. So I have uh, friends in the Pentecostal movement that think alcohol is a sin. If I was to join their church today, I would agree to their stance and not drink alcohol because I don't want to be in their church as a stumbling block to others. In other words, I would not be at their Bible studies trying to sow dissension about drinking when I already know where they stand. So, for example, 
the assemblies of God, has, has their disagreement against alcohol. They also have their disagreement against social dancing. So anytime you hear of assembly of God, church, or minister dancing at a wedding or having alcohol in moderation, they are a hypocrite to their denomination. And I've said that to my friends, and I don't understand why they stay in that denomination, and you want to do the electric slide at a wedding when your denomination teaches you that all dancing outside of Holy Ghost dancing is sin. Okay, that's, that's something I don't understand. And sometimes they want to drink with me, and I say, you ain't free like me. You are not free. Well, I agree like you. Well, no, you're not free. You have signed your denominational papers. You need to obey by those rules. So they look at me, and they think, well, you drink. You're supposed to be cool. You're supposed to. No, I don't, I'm not cool with you sinning. In your mind, you think I'm sinning. I'm not sinning. You must be cool with sinning then because I'm not, I'm not convinced of it as a sin. Now, just give another one, women in the ministry. These are some of the hot topics. We believe women in the ministry. I came from women in the ministry, so I want everybody to hear this. I respect all beliefs around this subject because I understand that it's a hot topic, okay? But for anyone to think they're going to come in this ministry and convince anybody that I'm teaching that women cannot be in the ministry is not only a fool's errand, it's rebellion, I came from women pastors. I came from that. That means before you got here and before I was ever a pastor, I was raised by women pastors. So if you don't like my tradition and where I come from, you have one of two issues or one of two options. You can chill in the church, you can keep your mouth quiet, and you can go on with everybody else being here, but you'll never be a leader. You're never going to be a leader here not believing what we believe. And you can stay here as long as you want until we think it's time for you to move on. The second option is, is you could just leave right now because we are not here to promote the idea that this is up for debate. This is not up for debate. I will debate it, and I have debated. I've debated it with people much smarter than you, okay? I've debated it on radio shows, and I believe I'm right. Now, I have friends that don't think that women should be in ministry. I, uh, the one who did our documentary didn't believe in women in ministry. He put under Lauren, she was just the admin instead of the pastor. And you know what? I respect him. You know why? Because he made a documentary for us. It was his computer. It was his video. He did all of that. But I noticed what he did. But here's the thing. We all agreed that BLM did us wrong, that the, you know, the world was going crazy at that time. So I worked with them. But my thing is I'm not going to try to come into his church and change him and to be rebellious that way. If we're going to debate, we're going to debate outside of the Christian church in the sense of outside of our fellowships. We're going to debate at a neutral place because we're not going to try to usurp our opinions over one another all sneaky on the side. Can I hear an amen to them? So there's a lot of things for you to obey in a church. The question is, do you agree with it? You see, a church like this is going to give you the options to what you agree with. Now, some of you may say, man, I, I don't really know. I mean, go ahead and uh, click out so we can see all these hot topics here, uh, the list of them. Some of these things you may not have even thought about. You may not have thought about suicide. You may not have thought about smoking and vaping, and we don't think it's a sin. And as the old-timers used to say, it won't send you to hell, but make you smell like you've been there. And that was until vaping came out to make you now smell like cotton candy. I can always tell when somebody's vaping because I, I smell something like a carnival going on around me. And I'll be honest, the smell is tempting because I like on candy. I don't want to inhale smoke like, you know, from a chimney or a, a car exhaust into my, my lungs anymore. No, no, thank you. I don't want to do that. But I do like cotton candy. Where is it at? So I am always disappointed when I smell cotton candy and I see somebody in the corner, <laughs> you know, doing that. That, that. that disappoints me. I thought somebody brought cotton candy to the wakeboard park or something. 
Same thing with divorce. One woman, one uh, a time, she went out to meet us at evangelism. I don't agree with your stance on divorce. I believe that it's always unbiblical. Okay, well then, you know, go to a church that doesn't believe it's okay to get divorced. We don't support divorce without a reason, but there are reasons for divorces according to the Bible. I can show you that. I have it written down there. But she wanted to meet me at an evangelism outreach to discuss a disagreement about divorce because she believes all divorce is sin and you can never remarry. Even if you've been abused, you have to find a way to work with it. And I'm just like, I don't agree with that. I believe a woman that's abused can get a divorce, okay? I believe that women have been cheated on can get a divorce, and men as well, okay? Uh, another one up there is demon possession. Sometimes people want to say Christians can be demon possessed and all these other things, and that's not what we believe. The number one sign that you're not a Christian is if you're demon possessed or not, okay? If you're demon possessed, like that should be the tall tale sign, you are not yet a Christian. A Christian does not have demons living inside of them. That should be like the first thing you understand. I'm a Christian, and I don't have demons anymore. That should be really clear to you. If you live in a world where you think you're a Christian and you still have demons, we don't understand what salvation is, and we don't understand what demons are because those two do not mix. Can I hear an amen? Okay, so those are the kinds of things that we talk about. Uh, another one is like, let's just do this holiday one real quick. Uh, you know, click on that, please. Another thing, people, you know, they, they look at Halloween. They don't want to uh, do anything on Halloween. They don't like the idea that we dress up and have our outreaches on Halloween and do different things. They think all of it's sinful. Okay, great. Then don't do that. Go out and have an all-night prayer meeting if you want. But my kids can dress up like Thor and go get candy, okay? Now, if you want to debate it, I will debate it with you, and I have debated it, and most people who are offended by these things are cowards and do not debate these things. Uh, most people are mature enough to say live and let live. But listen, when people get into this, I say, well, then let's at least be consistent. Christmas and Easter are not in the Bible. You're making that stuff up too. These are traditions you put in your life, that Christmas tree, those colors and that. Those are things you're doing, Easter eggs. Those are all things you're doing. Birthdays. You want to give up your birthday? Let's just give it all up. Let's be like the Amish. Can I hear an amen? Somebody say be consistent. But you see, that's never it. People just want to look at Halloween, call that the devil's day, and then keep on going with their birthday present, make uh, their birthday party, making a wish as they blow out candles, you know? Like, like what in the world is wrong? With They're just hypocrites. So, but here's my point. Here's my point. Let's say you have an issue with this. So you came to this church, and you have an issue with Halloween. Even if I didn't have this website, don't you think you should talk to a leader about that and ask them what they believe? I mean, that would just be a common sense to me. So this is what really gets to me, brothers and sisters. This is where I keep saying the word foolish, stupid, ignorant, uh, oompa loompa. Understand all of those words. I'm not trying to say I don't love my brother or sister, but I'm just trying to say it's ignorance. It's, uh, it's like foolishness. Why are we doing this? If it's important to you, why would you wait to Halloween to figure out whether or not this church does things on Halloween? Why not ask us in the middle of the summer when you join the church? Hello, my name is Karen. I just got some questions. Number one, do you guys celebrate Halloween? Number two, do you guys allow alcohol in moderation? Or do you, you know, whatever. Number three, do you believe women? Like, why don't, like, if that's such a big deal, why don't you come out and ask us that? When we hire people for our Bible college, we ask them if they're Pentecostal. If they're not, they can't teach. It's that simple. We're only hiring in the Bible college people who believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean my brothers and sisters who taught me in other schools or I've worked with, that doesn't mean they're not smart or not Christians. It just means in our Bible school, this is what we do. It's important enough to us to do that. So when I've had people like, and thank God it hasn't happened this time, but like it happened during COVID because, you know, a bunch of people found us and didn't 
use their brain when they were picking a church. I guess they just wanted the one that was open. But then they started like l- looking and asking questions later. Like, no, dude, you should have asked it at the beginning, even during the time of COVID. How many know wisdom is always a good thing? So anyways, during that time when COVID was fading away, it just all of a sudden occurred to them, Halloween is so important to me. I have to find out whether or not our church does it because everybody on the internet makes me feel like I have to talk about it. So then when they found out that Metro Praise International celebrates Halloween in the sense of not as demons and ghouls and witchcraft, but as in dressing up as whatever you want that's not evil to do a fun activity. When they began to find that out, they started saying that we were demon-possessed, that we had demons. And I'm like, think about this. You were so ignorant that you listened to a demon-possessed pastor for two years during COVID. Who's worse, me or you? According to your beliefs, you're worse. You couldn't recognize I was demon-possessed for two years. Come on, somebody. But this is the ignorance that people have. And then they tell me, I hear this all the time. Uh, Please go and shut that down for a second so people can just see the list again. People will come to the church and not know these things, right? And then they'll say, God sent them here. This is God's place for you. Yeah, God told me to come here. I always love when they say God said because then I can always bring that back. (laughs) I got the receipt. Sometimes I just wish I could pause and say, hold on, just say that again one more time. Look into this this camera and just say that one more time. Who sent you here? Seriously, because they say God sent them here, and then they find out we have this belief about demon possession that Christians actually don't have demons, and that just really bothers them because as a Christian, they truly want to have demons. They want it so bad, okay? And then they want to leave the church, or they find out that we believe that women could be pastors in a ministry. Something comes to their mind, and now they leave all offended, and it was you told us God said for you to be here. You said God said. Did God change his mind, or did God not know how to read a website? See, your God doesn't know how to talk. Your God doesn't exist. Really, it's just you looking at yourself in the mirror. Because honestly, brothers and sisters, any mature Christian understand this. Going back to the notes, please. How many know I'm getting free? Oh, he's talking about somebody. No, I'm talking about people over the last 30 years of ministry. This is the hard part of church, and this is what I just can't get as a pastor. When are we actually just going to follow the Bible? It says in our Bible, obey your leaders, have confidence in them. That means if you're a Christian and you've already made your mind up about different topics in Christianity, find the church that actually God wants you to be a part of. Otherwise, here's here's something that could really fry your noodle. Otherwise, God actually might have brought you here, watch this, to change you and not us. Wow, that actually could have happened. That actually could be more realistic with the Bible. Let's let's just go through the Bible and figure this out real quick. Would God in the book of Timothy give things for Timothy to have to change the people in his church? Or is the Bible showing us that God gives things to the people of Timothy's church to change Timothy? Option A is God uses Timothy to form and mentor the church. Option B is God gives things to the members of Timothy's church to change the church in Timothy. A or B, brothers and sisters? Ah, so that means if I ever show up to a place and I actually say God sent me here, then that means God wants me to change while I'm here. Otherwise, I don't know how to hear from God. 
which is okay. Not a lot of people are good at that. It takes maturity. But at least be honest and just be like, oh, I thought God sent me here, but it was really because you guys were just close to my house and I, I liked your worship. That worship team is awesome, so I stayed around for a little bit and put up with you. Okay, well, that's fine. This is be honest. You didn't come here because you actually prayed and sought the Lord. But you see, if you're mature, somebody say mature. If you're mature, that means you, you think through these things. So John MacArthur, let's go back to him. Does he do well in teaching the Bible? Most of the time, absolutely. I would recommend him with reservation about the things I disagree with him about. Uh, you know, the gifts of the Spirit and other issues. But you know what? He's a great Bible teacher. Most of the time, he's not talking about those things. Most of the time, he's talking about the stories of the Bible, the context of the Bible. That's great. But guess what? I'm not going to recommend him to anyone here to go learn about the gifts of the Spirit from. Because the first thing he's going to tell you is, I don't believe they're for the church anymore. They were only for the first apostles. How many know that's not going to be a very fun conference to go to? Okay, so what do we do then? We just read the Bible all day. Okay, but the Bible tells me to cast out demons. Not that part, but every other part. You just do the Bible study part. You just do the singing in church part. Don't do the other stuff. Don't do that. It sounds funny, but it's actually true. When you go places as a Christian, you go there with your belief system. If you want to change a belief system of someone, let's say I care about John MacArthur and I want to change his belief system. I am not going to do that by attending John MacArthur's church. You know how I'm going to try to change John MacArthur's belief system? I'm going to ask Dr. Michael Brown to debate him publicly so that he'll get lessons from the spirit-filled side. He's not going to listen to me, but maybe he'll listen to Dr. Brown. And then hopefully he'll change his mind. How many believe that's amazing? Or it could be uh, through a person in his church that's truly honoring John MacArthur and maybe believes like John MacArthur, but then over time starts to see something different in the scripture about spiritual gifts. And then out of an honest heart, doesn't come to challenge John MacArthur, but comes there to say, John, Pastor John, I've read these things you told me about the gifts of the Spirit, but I, I don't see it that way anymore. I see it this way. Maybe the Lord could use that. But at the, at the time, if John MacArthur goes, nope, I don't see it. Sorry, it's not for me. For that person to keep pushing that onto John MacArthur, that's rebellion. And guess what it looks like oftentimes? Manipulation. What's totally, just talk about frying a noodle. This one fries my noodle as a pastor. People will accuse me of manipulation by saying, I'm a pastor that expects to be obeyed in the doctrine we teach here. Somehow, the most clearest upfront statement is manipulation. Yet, them staying in a church where I've told them this is what I expect, they will go around and try to change people's minds, but that's not manipulation. That's them doing what God told them to do. Does that not sound like the most ridiculous thing in the world? I'm not able as a pastor to do the very thing I'm commanded to do, teach doctrines and expect people to obey. You can't do that. Nope, Joe, you can't do that. But they can do the exact thing God tells them not to do, which is be rebellious, don't listen to the leaders, and then go around and try to convince others of their point of view. Yet somehow I'm the manipulative one. Friends, listen to me. Jesus giving you an ultimatum to stay or to go is not manipulation. How many know Jesus wasn't a manipulator? 
Paul telling you the same thing. Go to that 2 Thessalonians passage, brothers and sisters. Look at it. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 14. When the Bible says, take note of those who don't obey this letter, that's not people trying to snoop on you to get in your business for their own benefit to be gossipers. This is just honestly a group of people who love their church and want to know whether or not you agree with what their church is doing. If you don't want to do what Metro Praise is doing, then go somewhere else that does what you feel God has called you to do. Can I hear an amen? amen? What you don't want to do is use manipulation. I never, listen to me, brothers or sisters, have ever been shown to use manipulation. As a matter of fact, those who know me best have said, Joe, you're one of the most realist, upfront people that I've ever met. One of the things Adam said about me when we were hanging out, there was a new friend with us, and I said, Adam, I've been with you now for a while. You know me. This brother doesn't know me. How would you describe me to him to help us in our relationship? And he said, there is zero. This is what Adam said to this brother. There is zero pretense in Joe. There is nothing up his sleeve. There is nothing he's doing to use. There's nothing he's doing to manipulate. What you see is what you get, and he's being very real and honest with you. I don't know how else to be real and honest with you to tell you how many times I use the bathroom. Like, you guys know everything about my life. Like, what don't you know about my life that you want to know? Like, how many times my wife and I are intimate? Like, you want the most private details? Like, you want a reality show? I mean, this this, this pointless. But how does that help your spirituality? You know how much I make. Our budget is put out every year. You know what I do for doc, uh, what I believe in doctrine. You know how I live outside of this church and in this church. You know my gifts, my weaknesses, my strengths, etc. You know what you've chosen. How many are smart enough to know what you've gotten yourself into? But now understand this. It's not about me. It's not about me in any way. And this is the part that I just want to share with you as a pastor before I really get into the message. Somebody say this is the introduction. It really is. And I don't say that to be uh, mocking or just to be funny right now. But listen. I have been a pastor in charge of people since I was 19 years old. I want you to think about that. Since I was 19 years old, I have been doing this in one shape or another. I am now 46 years old, soon to be 47. That is a long time. That's almost 30 years. I have gone through almost every phase of leadership you can possibly go through. In my earlier years, I wanted everyone to call me pastor. I wanted everyone to acknowledge who I was. I think it was because I had come from so little. I was a high school dropout. I was a drug dealer. And I wanted people to really understand, this is who I am now. So call me pastor, Joe. Call me this. Call me that. I dressed a certain way. I wore a suit. Even to youth ministries when I was invited to preach, I read out the King James. I didn't listen to even Christian hip-hop. I listened to nothing but worship, okay? I didn't watch any movies uh, that were non-Christian, only Christian movies. So I watched, like, the story of Moses, that cartoon, like, many times. The story of Joseph, if anybody remembers those. It was, like, in the same genre of Aladdin. So I watched those seriously as an adult. As, like, an adult, I'm watching that. Like, that would be my entertainment. Most of the time, I went to bed to preaching, so I would listen to things while I'd go to bed to preaching, okay? I can tell you from the bottom of my heart, as I was even praying over this message this week by God's grace, I cannot think of, and I mean this, I cannot think of one time, one season, one, one time of my life, that's all I can think of, one, one epoch of time, epoch of time, that I ever looked at what I was doing as a minister, as a leader, as a pastor, as I was better than somebody else. I have been accused of that. 
People have said that to me over and over again when they get rocked by the word of God coming through me like a sword slapping them upside the head. It's a gift that God gave me. People have gotten offended by how little I care about them. So often people think I should cry and weep over them where oftentimes I'm rejoicing that they're gone. But I want you to understand this. I have never, I can't think of, I asked God as my witness to bring it to my mind. My wife's been in my life. I asked her a trick question the other day. She didn't know why I was asking it to her, but I'll bring that up in a moment if I can remember. Because I wanted, I wanted anyone who's known me to answer this kind of question. And it was, what have you seen change in me over the years? And what I was asking her that for, because I wanted to see, did she think I became more demanding, more intense, more radical? And she says, the only thing I've noticed from you over the years, remember I asked you that, was that you've become more patient and kind with people. I'm not trying to say I've never made mistakes, but listen to me, brothers or sisters. When I've been in ministry overseas, when I've been in small churches, big churches, I have, by God's grace, given the instruction of the Bible. That's it. And so for some reason, people think that those of us who do this, especially people like myself who have done it for so many years, that we're doing it for ulterior motives. That to me, I want you to understand this, brothers or sisters, because I really am trying to give you the inside scoop of this guy that's uh, the Bible says to listen to, right? So I'm basically holding the mic saying, the Bible tells you to listen to me. Y'all better listen to me. That's what I'm really saying right now, right, if you think about it. And I'm trying to explain to you what it feels like to be that guy. Does everybody get where I'm going here? That puts the fear of God in me every single night, especially when I lay down at, at bed, in my bed. Because I now begin to think about, I was given a great responsibility in that position. If I am someone other than what they think I am, when I'm not around them, I have no shame. I should be considered the worst hypocrite if I did that. That's how I think about it, to be honest with you, just to be absolutely honest. I will not, listen, I don't care if you believe in women or ministry or not. What I care about is whether or not you think I believe in ministry or not, a women in ministry. Because if you think I'm playing with that, that bothers me. But whether or not you agree with me, that does not bother me. Does everybody get the difference? It doesn't bother me whether or not you agree with me and how I teach about suicide. That doesn't bother me. Literally does not. We lost people during that time. I put up that thing and we talked about because pastors were committing suicide and uh, a lot of people were going online talking about they're in a better place now and, and, you know, they had all these hard times. And I'm like, no, the Bible pretty much says they're in hell right now. I'm not their judge. I don't, you know, I don't know the last seconds of their life. But I can tell you just like how, how I would with any other thing, they shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Hatred is hatred whether it's yourself or someone else. And if you do these things, you shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Are you all tracking with me? Okay, and it was the same thing about anything else that we put up there. It wouldn't bother me and doesn't bother me if someone disagrees. Maybe they go, hey, you know what, there's these certain cases, they're out of their mind. And I always say just about the suicide thing, if they're out of their mind, how come they didn't try to jump off the bridge in the Looney Tunes Park of Woodfield Mall that's made out of foam? If they're out of their mind, how do they know to go to that bridge with that gun, with that note? Many of them leave suicide notes. If they're really out of their mind, how do they know how to put all those things together? Like sit in the car, turn it on, and let the carbon dioxide fill that garage. How come they didn't sit in their little child's, uh, you know, electric car and then turn that SUV on? You know, like they have these little hummus for the little kids. Like, no, you're in your mind to do all of that, but now you don't tell me when it comes out of eternal judgment, you're not in your right mind. No, God don't play that. You knew what you were doing. That's why I say to people, if you're suicidal, buy yourself a set of handcuffs and give your friend the keys. And anytime you feel like hurting yourself, handcuff yourself to something and give them a call. Show that you really fear God. 
Amen? But anyways, going back to that, when people were saying, oh, you know, I don't like the church because of this, or I don't, I don't want to follow Joe because, of, okay, great, go on and do your thing. That honestly doesn't bother me at all. But what would bother me is if someone would say, I think Joe is a hypocrite. I think if Joe had a suicide victim in his family, he would change his mind. Or I think if Joe himself had suicidal thoughts, he would change his mind. Like, like there's this idea that Joe's not being real. See, that bothers me then. Because now it's not a matter of we disagreeing. What you're trying to do is impugn my motives. What you're now trying to say is I'm doing something with a motive that I know of that's not the one that I'm sharing that with you. So sometimes people have said, well, look at how many young adults go to that church. He's just messing with those who have young minds. Listen, if you want me to preach at the nursing home, if God wanted me rather to preach at the nursing home, I would be preaching at the nursing home right now. You all listening to me? I preach to whoever comes. I've never checked your ID to see if you can get in here or not be in here. If I have a lot of young adults, it's not because I'm trying to brainwash young adults. It's because young adults show up. Why didn't Jesus start in the nursing home? Why did Jesus start with young adults and, and people around that same age? You see, people make your motives out to be evil, and the Bible says don't do that. So now here's what I want to ask you in these last few moments before we get into the message, because I really want to take my time with this introduction. Turn with me to Titus 1.5, please. Is I want to ask you, do you believe you should obey your leaders, including myself and others at this church? If you do, then understand we fear, the God, uh, fear God, and we're in a relationship with you, and we take that serious. See, Paul said to Titus in Titus 1.5, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint what in every town? And appoint who in every town? Elders in every town as I directed you. And then now he gives the job description of who these people must be. An elder must be what? Say the first one, please. Blameless. That means Whenever there's blame brought towards the elder, the elder admits to it when the area is one that is of heaven and hell at stake, sin, righteousness, etc. This is not whether or not we disagree over things that are trivial. And sometimes people confuse this. Well, pastor, me and my friends, we don't think you always talk nice from the pulpit. That's trivial. I don't care what you think about how I preach from the pulpit. I don't care if you don't like the word oompa loompa, stupid, ignorant, fool, whatever words you don't like that I use. Listen to me. I don't care. Are you listening? I don't care. But let's say you care about it. Well, then go to a church that speaks like Joel Osteen, slithers like a snake, but doesn't give you sound doctrine. You try to find the good mix of that then, right? I'm not talking like that. I'm talking to you, which comes natural to me, and God knew that when he called me. And if he wanted to change that, he would use my elders, my deacons, and my pastors who raised me up, those people in my life, to say, Joe, I think that's a little bit harsh. But actually, my pastors talk just the way I do. In other words, they're not offended by words like that. Can I hear an amen? So we're not talking about trivial things. Well, Joe, I don't like the way you dress. Joe, I don't like the way the church does work. Okay, no one cares. When we're talking about blame, it's we're talking about pulling out a sin. And now sometimes people, when they look at ministers, they talk about gentleness, kindness, and these kinds of things. You see, those are things often left to the culture and to the person's preference. I grew up in a family where what most people would call yelling was talking. I don't know if anybody grew up in a family like that. I've met a lot of cultures that can identify with this. One time I, you know, I, I was in Chicago. I never knew really Filipinos, but I went out with some Filipinos. I'm like, you all the loudest people I have ever been with. 
I'm like, Philip, this group right here, literally the waitress came to us two or three times, keep it down, keep it down. So I thought like Asians were quiet because I didn't know that many Asians, you understand? And then I met Filipinos, and then I'm like, are you the hood of the Asians? Like, what are we doing here? Because you just loud and sassy, popping your gum and snapping your finger. I'm being honest with you. When I met some Chicago Filipinas, Panais and Pano, he'll tell you, this is a shy, quiet one right here, but I'm talking about when I met him, right? So I'm like, y'all can relate to me, but listen. Those same people, I would raise my voice when we would get into a discussion, and then they would get offended. I'm like, y'all raise your voice when you talk about the Chicago Bulls. You raise your voice when you're excited about the burrito at the Mexican restaurant. But I raise my voice in a discussion about heaven or hell. Now you tell me I'm not gentle. Hypocrite much? Seriously, I mean, you know, you look at the, the people who sometimes pull out these cards. I'm like, you some of the most loudmouth people I've ever met. Here's the problem. You just don't like authority. That's really what it is. If I was loud about the thing you and I agreed about, then my tone wouldn't matter to you. The reason why my tone matters to you now is because you disagree with what I'm saying. And then you also know that I have authority over a church, over a space that you're in, and you don't like that. And you see, now that's a personality thing. As a matter of fact, the only one that I was raised up under in the ministry that even had a similar temperament to me was Sister Joanne Miller from Ghana. She would shout and holler all the time when she considered uh, talking. Most people called yelling. And I love that woman for it. Can I hear an amen? In other words, I was under it and I loved it. Brother Anthony's not like me. He's like my dad. He's chill. Uh, Pastor Ron, he's, he's like just so chill, dude. He's like a farmer, dude. He's like, oh, man, he's almost got like a little whistle when he talks. He's like, he, you know, he's just talking to us the other day and just whistle. He doesn't have that much of a draw, but and the same thing, my one friend Troy from New Orleans. Man, these guys are all like southern gentlemen, you know? Like I'm like a crass slash New Yorker, Italian, Midwestern. I don't know what it is. One time my my uh, my uh, pastor, Brother Anthony, even said to my wife, why is she so loud and nasally all the time? And I said, that's just the way she is. But he's used to being in the South, you know, where women talk with a draw and they talk like this. And I guess, remember he said he thought you were loud. You remember that? Yeah, you're a little shy now. Now you're going to be quiet. Now you're going to be quiet. I get how it is. Seriously, man, the first time I sat down with my wife and her Greek family, I thought I needed hearing aids, man. It was so loud, man. I thought like we were all deaf and that what was going on. Why are you all talking so loud? Even to this day, I do an imitation of my father-in-law. This is how he comes in. Joey, just at the top of his, Joey, and I'm like, okay, I'm right here, man. The rapture is happening, Joey, and I'm like, yes, I know the rapture, dude. I love you, but that's his, that's his personality, you know, but you know, here's the thing. Sometimes people don't like it. Okay, good, but are you honestly, that's this thing about this, are you honestly going to make blame about a person's character because of what you like or don't like about their tone? Can I hear an amen to them? You can't do that. The Bible says they got to be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. An overseer he manages or rules God's household. He must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered. And, and just highlight this, overbearing, what is that and what is quick-tempered? Sometimes people say, well, overbearing is like being in my business. Well, then Jesus was overbearing. You know what I think overbearing is? Is when someone doesn't give you permission and you keep pushing it. And you keep pushing it. Is everybody tracking with me? That's how I define overbearing. Not keeping you accountable. Overbearing is like, oh, I just want to leave this church. And then I call you back. You sure you want to leave this church? I want you to stay. And I, well, I don't feel it's the right thing to do. And they're like, no, I'm really leaving this church. And then like two days later, you sure you're leaving the church? How many think that could be like overbearing? 
Like, I don't know. Like, that's how I see it. Like, when someone says, like, back off, and they don't back off, that's what I think of overbearing, which is funny is people say that our accountability is being overbearing while they go out to everywhere else and overbear on what they think about our church. Nobody cares what you think about our church. You don't have to keep calling us up. We get it. You don't like it. Move on. But they don't call that overbearing, but they think us keeping people accountable is overbearing. Accountability is not overbearing. Can I hear an amen? Now, quick-tempered, once again, quick-tempered to what? What is a fast temper? Like, how long did it take Jesus to go from, hey, you guys are cool, to I'm flipping over every table here? I think quick-tempered has to do with you being angry about something that, that does not deserve your time and attention, and you got there quickly. So it's not anger is a problem, and it's not necessarily being quick to something is a problem. Because how many know if someone's starting to be abused right here, I need to get quick and be angry about that and stop it? It's not time to think about Like, let's say someone came in as an active shooter. Well, I don't want to be quick-tempered. I don't want to be quick-tempered right now. Let's just give it time. Give it some time. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready to take action now. How many know that there's, there's not an easy definition of quick-tempered when you look at the variety of emotions? But I think the, the thing that we're avoiding here is non-biblical behavior, and you get there quickly. So you see somebody do something that's non-biblical or something you don't like even, and you get there very quickly, and you're very angry, and you're not matching the moment. You're not matching what it's supposed to be. So this would be like a parent, okay? So a parent sees a child start to run across the street. How many think it's good to be quick-tempered and be like, stop? How many think that's a good thing? But how many know if the child is reaching for the butter with their hands instead of the knife, stop? That's a little bit overdoing you, you get the difference. I said, do you get the difference? You all scream at your children for grabbing the butter with their fingers? No, you, you would just be like, hey, honey, honey, no, 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 no. We don't, we don't do that. Put the butter down. Because kids are gross at that age when they don't know what to grab and what not to grab. How many know what I'm talking about? Just eating with everything and just putting it in. You know, yeah, but how many know if they start to grab the knife that you're using to cut your steak? No! Oh, well, mom, you're quick-tempered. No, mom's quick at stopping something at that moment. Can I hear an amen to that? Not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be this, hospitable. One who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it's been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and those who oppose it. Could I, could I follow John MacArthur according to this uh, set of statements right here? Yes, I could. I mean, I don't know every detail of his life, but I could follow him. Why? Because I don't see him as an overbearing person. I don't see him as quick temper. I don't see him giving over to drunkenness. But would I go to his church and be taught the things of women in ministry or the things of the gifts of the Spirit? No, because I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I've already been taught differently. I've been taught to understand the scriptures differently. I don't need to accuse him of this. Does everybody get it? When I attack what John MacArthur believes, I attack his doctrine, just as I did right now. Now, listen, there's also people that you will agree with in their doctrine, but they don't live like this. Remember when we talked about Carl Lentz and Hill songs, and I only bring up these names because they're in public. Carl Lentz was somebody that cheated on his wife. Do you think that I should attend Carl Lentz's church because we agree with women in the ministry and we agree in our doctrine about spiritual gifts? 
No, why should I not attend his church? Because he doesn't do these things. He is not the husband of one wife. He is under blame of being immoral. Does everybody get now the difference? Everybody get this. I'm just going to repeat it. There are people I will submit to, even if we don't agree on doctrine, if I had to and God told me to, because they do that, and that's the most important. There's others that I may agree with in doctrine, but I would never want to be in their ministry because they don't do those things. Now, what is the balance and what is the best? The best is to find someone who's like this and then holds to the doctrines as you see it. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Can I hear an amen if you believe that? Amen. That is your agreement. There are no yes people in this church. You're only saying amen if you agree. Can I hear an amen if you agree? Amen. So many times uh, we start meetings. I had a meeting one time during COVID with some of those who were leaving, and I said, this is not going to be an easy meeting, but I heard that you guys are talking about us behind our back. So I brought in my pastor, Brother Anthony, and before the meeting started, I said, this is very clear. I want everyone to understand this. You will now be held accountable for what you say. No one here can use the excuse, I'm a yes person, and I didn't want to hurt somebody's feelings. If you do that in this place, you're a coward. Can I hear an amen? See, that's how we teach people. In other words, when my pastor showed up and we were going through COVID, there's my pastor now. Here's my pastor, okay? And there he is. And the first thing my pastor did when he showed up is he said, this is your pastor. Listen to him because I know he's a man of God. I almost want to cry while I'm saying that, but... He came to hear anything that needed to be heard. But they didn't even ask him to come. When you ask me to bring in my pastor, that's for sure a fact I'm not bringing him. I brought my pastor for these people that I loved, and I wanted them to see that I have no problem bringing my pastor there. And I brought missionary friends, Tisa and Jean. And in that meeting, this is what I said. Everything said here will be held accountable to the same standard of the scriptures for me as it is for you. And I said, do you all understand that? They said, yes, we do. I said, anything that is brought against me that stands as a charge, even though these two no longer have authority in our church because our church is independent with Berto and, and my wife on the board, I said, I will submit to it without an argument based on their testimony. Did you just hear what I, what I said to you? I brought in my pastors. I brought in my pastor, singular, and then I brought in my peers, and I said, anything you now say, will now be judged by them, and I don't even need to know what you're going to say. Whatever will be said that they come in agreement with, I submit to right now. That is my word, okay? And then I said to them, I expect you now to do the same exact thing because these were some of the closest friends I had in the ministry in this church when we went through COVID. Are you all listening to me? I don't mean to say this in pride, but guess who was right and who was wrong at the end of that meeting? And guess who left and didn't do the right thing as days went on? See, don't tell me this. I don't submit to people. Garbage. Don't tell me that there aren't good pastors out there. I know good pastors that are in denominations that go through that same thing. There was a pastor friend of mine, I almost want to cry thinking about him. He was, he was doing a wonderful work. He was renting a banquet hall that people were coming. But his worship leader went sideways and started getting people to go against him. He went to his denomination, and he said, if I've done anything wrong, I'll submit to it. I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. The denomination heard the charges. And said, you have done nothing wrong, man of God. Keep on pastoring. Let them go and move on. Those people could not stop. They kept attacking him online, kept calling up every person in the church. And they were not happy until he became depressed, left the ministry, and shut down the church. So I know it works both ways. I know there's church hurt and I know there's butt hurt. But I've seen it go real, real bad, real quick. Are you listening to me? 
The first pastor that I went and spent the night at his house with left the ministry out of depression and divorced his wife. There are real problems in the ministry. I get that. But I want everyone to hear this. That is no excuse for us not being honest and people of God and living according to his word. I tried to beg my friend not to go. I said, man, I don't care how much they've hurt you. I don't care what they've said about you. And he had just received a $5,000 offering from an outside ministry. I said, brother, they all can go. You got enough money to pay the bills. Start from, start from zero again. Just you and your family, man of God. And then I talked to him one time after that. You know what he said to me? He said he had served in the Gulf War during battle. He saw war. He said going through that as a pastor was worth, worse time than when I was in war what it did to my mind, what it did to my kids, what it did to my family. So scroll down to 1 Corinthians, please, chapter 1, verse 13. This is what I believe. Well, let's go to verse 10. I would never want to do that to somebody's church. I don't agree with a lot of churches, but I don't go there to try to cause division. I teach the people to obey their leaders. For example, we, uh, we work with, like I said, these Calvinists and these non-spirit-filled people, the guy who did our documentary and, and, and et cetera. And uh, one of them just came to us recently through Juan in our, in our page and said, hey, they told us about you in Chicago that we should come to your church. And the first thing that I thought to myself is, man, they're going to find out we're spirit-filled. We believe women in the ministry. But this is what I believed when those people sent them over here, that they knew that and they weren't causing an issue. Because I, I, there was like a quick thought in my mind, like, dude, why are you sending somebody over here? You're trying to cause a problem? But then the Lord just rebuked me and said, no, no, no. They probably know who, you know, I, I'm thinking that as the Lord rebuked me, I'm thinking, oh, they probably know who, what we're about. Maybe they met somebody who did believe in women in ministry. Maybe they met somebody who believed in the gifts and was looking for a church in Chicago. And they're like, go and check it out. I mean, we'll see how that story ends, but that's what we had heard. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another. How many of you agree? How many of you agree? All of you agree with one another in what you say and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Oh, all you Metro Praise people, you guys all found a life. Well, we're supposed to. What are we supposed to do? I like women in ministry. I hate women in ministry. And you all go to the same church. Yeah, that's crazy. Are you all listening to me? I mean, this is the world we live in. Oh, you all sound alike. Yeah, because we're in agreement. If there's something that has to do with personality, I can't tell you how many times I've been in meetings and I'm like, oh, I can kind of see it that way. Well, I guess I see it that way. You know, because it's just personality. But when it comes to the word, of course we're in agreement. Now, we may not all settle the same issue. Someone may say, well, we should take this course or that course. I mean, Pastor Berto and I may not see things the same exact way. Well, of course, in that way. But when it comes to how do you see women in the ministry, you want Pastor Berto to be up in there going, well, I don't like women in ministry. I've just been waiting to tell Pastor Joe that. If he ever changed his mind, what I would hope for him to do is come to me and say, hey, I've changed my mind about women in the ministry. I've listened to some John MacArthur messages. I got some doubts about it now. I would really like to talk to you about it, Pastor. And I would say, awesome, let's talk about it as long as you want. And then at some point, I would probably say, hey, dude, have we talked about it enough? He would be like, yeah, I'd be like, Pastor Bro, it's great for you now to go find another church because I can't change your mind. It seems like you're settled in that issue. And then many of you would go leave with Pastor Berto, <laughs> half kid. And that would be okay. And I would be like, that's awesome. Because you guys want to agree with Pastor Berto. I honestly, I don't care. Why? Because I didn't make Pastor Berto come to the church. I didn't make Pastor Berto agree with women in ministry. I didn't do any of that. God did all of that and brought him here for that time. And I would know, I know that if he would want to leave, he would leave honorably. And he would walk out of here saying, thank God for Metro Praise. Thank God for the years that I was there. Pastor Joe's a great pastor. Those are great people. I just see women in the ministry differently now. I think that would be his heart because jerks are jerks no matter what they do. Messy people are messy in all situations. But people of God and humility and humble people are always humble. 
You see, you're going to be humble whether or not we agree or disagree. Matter of fact, I just met another young man. He's working with our school clubs. He has an organization. He's looking to hire Lawrence. Let's pray for that because that would be a great opportunity for Lawrence to work there just as we work for By the Hand. A lot of our young people like Rudy and young adults work there. But, uh, you know, it came out that he's a Calvinist. And Calvinists believe that uh, Jesus only died for the elect. In other words, if you're not God's elect, God's chosen. He didn't die on the cross for you. How many know that's a pretty big deal? How many know telling somebody, I don't believe Jesus died for you is a pretty big deal? <laughs> so that's basically their belief. Now, they may not say it that way, but that's how they believe. Only those that are going to heaven are those Jesus died for. Everybody else, you never had Jesus to die for you, and that's why you're going to hell. So you're doomed from the womb. God knew from the beginning who would go to heaven, who would go to hell. There's no wasted blood according to them. And therefore, if you're on this earth and you want to go to hell, there was never a chance for you to be saved. Doomed from the womb. You know what? I said, is that true? He said, yeah, it is, because he knows me as a Bible teacher. And uh, he goes, yeah, and, and I'm open to hear what you have to say. I'm open to discuss it with you. And you know what I said to him? I said, brother, I have zero desire to discuss that with you. I said, you want to know why? I said, brother, because you're reaching the young people. You are a leader to my daughter in the school clubs. You're helping. And I said, we have too many things to discuss than for us to get tied up in knots about Calvinism and Arminianism. Now I said to him, if you want to discuss it with me. That's something you want to do? Man, I'll discuss that with you all day long. But I said, for the most part, you and I are only going to be together for a short amount of time. What I would rather discuss with you is how to reach the young people. And he started to smile, and he goes, yeah, that's what I want to do too. You see? That's how you get along with people. So when you're of one thought and one mind, when my daughter goes to that Bible study, and I didn't have to ask him because I already knew it, that they're not going to push Calvinism, just as if when Lawrence leads up his and other ones, he's not going to push Arminianism or spirit-filled or women in the ministry. They're going to be trained, just like how I was in Bible college and in different places. Here are the neutral ground for us as Christians. When we as Christians get together on a school club, the one thing we don't want to do is fight amongst each other in front of the cross-gender professor. We don't want to fight in front of each other uh, around the school when, when we have people already wanting us to, you know, to, to die and leave the planet. We're all going to stand for Jesus. And if we, if we have disagreements about women in ministry, spiritual gifts, uh, you know, all of these other things, we'll discuss that on our own time. We'll get outside of the school club. Can I hear an amen? So it says, brothers and sisters, I want you to be in total agreement. Lawrence, would you come, please? I want you to be in total agreement. That you would say and do the same thing. There would be no divisions among you and that you would be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's house have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One says, I follow Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. Another says, I follow Kephas or Cephas. That's Peter. Still another is real spiritual. I follow Christ, man. You go to Baptist church, you go to a Pentecostal church, I just go to church with Jesus. That's that kind of person. He says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Tell me uh, Paul didn't have sarcasm. Come on, y'all. You baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I didn't baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius so that no one can say you were baptized in my name. Yes, I did baptize the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. How many people are getting older and you can relate to Paul right there? Man, I don't even remember. Did I baptize you? I don't know. I can't. But Berto and I were having a conversation. I was putting it back here and he was putting it over here. I think he was right and it was over there. Look at verse 17. For Christ did not send me to baptize or to get caught up in these religious discussions of who's who, but to preach the gospel. 
not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Looking back at our notes, please, have confidence in your leaders. If you came from a church that was a good church and God brought you here from there, we want you to honor that church. It doesn't matter if they were Baptist. It doesn't matter if they were Hammond, Indiana, uh, or another church down the road. Honor that church. You, you know, this is not like one of those superficial relationships where you got to put down your ex to make me feel good. You know, I hated the pastor I was with before. You did the best pastor. That other pastor was nasty. You're the best. I'm not insecure like that. You loved the church you came from. God did a great work in your life there. You chewed the meat, spit the bones, whatever way you want to look at it, and now you're here. That's awesome. Bless that church. Love that church. I was talking to this brother, and I know some of you can relate to this. His soon-to-be boss, pray that he gets the job. He's like on his 20th interview. They're like really thorough at that place, amen. But pray for Lawrence. This will bring tears to my eyes. My wife is a witness, man. He said to me, because I asked him about the other churches, he said to me, this one church that he named that I always speak well of, he said, the pastor asked me if I was working with you guys. Because, you know, we're, we're evangelizing everywhere. Of course we're in schools. Like, this pastor knew that. And I told him, this is the, his soon-to-be boss said to me. And I told him, yeah, I'm working with them. They got one going on in this school, another one going on this. Yeah. He said, we won't attend those clubs then. Because Metro Praise people are there. I couldn't believe it when he said that. Is that not the truth? He said it in our house just this past week. Yeah, I know. I said, that church said that? Oh, he said, oh, yeah, he said it. His wife said, yeah, I couldn't believe it. I said, if you knew, I'm not even going to mention what school it was at, where our sister was leading. I said, if you knew that sister leading that study, I said, she would never be divisive. I said, I don't even know what they think we're about. I said, but that young lady leading that group is a humble woman of God just wanting people to know Jesus. I said, did they have any reason? Did they say anything that this sister said? Hey, I'm from Metro Praise, and y'all got to be gonna become a part of the Metro Praise cult in my school club. He said, no. He, he said that he didn't say one thing about what they did wrong or right. He just heard the name and said to his students, don't go there. This is the reason why he wants to hire Lawrence. It's because he sees us doing it. He didn't listen to that brother, obviously. And he said, man, I knew you guys before that. And I just saw that as absolutely shocking. And then he started telling me, everybody get this. He started saying, oh, yeah, it's not even just that. And he started going on. He said, yeah, there's denominations that have their school clubs and this one and that one. And he said, because they're a non-denominational one. So they're not under one main denomination, which is okay if a denomination has their clubs. Just like how... Uh, Chicago for Jesus has our outreach, Dallas for Jesus. We get it. You're going to put your name, your logo on it. Everybody's got to do their thing. We get it. He said, but I've been talking to these guys saying, we got to get together. We can't have five, we can't have five Christian clubs in a high school. What are we doing? And by the way, his are the biggest. His are the biggest. And he's saying to these little ones that are trying to start, what are we doing? Just come and let's join together. You can call it for your newsletter, such and such club meets here. And I'll put on my newsletter, such and such club meets here. So when we tell our supporters, we all know we're working with that club. We got our name on it. That's what we're looking for. But there's no point in starting two or three school clubs. So I said to him, what did they say back to you? He said, oh, no, we don't really want to do that. I said, this is the most craziest thing. People call us a cult 
And yet we're the first ones willing to join with everybody else's thing. And yet they're not a cult when they tell their people not to come to our gospel-centered thing and it's better to have three or four separate ones. That's the stupidity that we're on. And you wonder why we're in division. You wonder why the world doesn't respect the church. It's because we have no authority. And I remember one time, one of these guys I was leading a prayer meeting sent me an invitation through one of our young people. I can't remember if it was Lawrence or who it was. I said, man, they sure know how to hand out flyers to our sheep in the congregation. What, they don't have my number? They can't get the email from the website? Why aren't they sending me a flyer? Why are they going around to all these people in our church sending out these flyers? So I said to these brothers, why don't you call me and invite me to the prayer meeting? Oh, well, you're... Your guys are intense. You know, you're this and that. And I'm thinking to myself, well, so you're going to take our people, but you don't want their leaders? You see, people are manipulative. We said it early on in this church, and once again, my wife is a witness and others here. I see Jessica in the back. We said this early on, and I wish I could name these churches' names, but I don't want to be messy. By the way, this is not messy. This is gospel. But I've said to churches, we will work with you. We will serve you. We will, man, we will show up. We will bring the gospel truck. We'll hand out your flyers. And they still won't make a move to work together in this city. And then they say stuff about us. I can't, I can't, friends. I just can't go with that. I can't stay quiet. And it's not that I'm going to name their names and be messy. Almost during the COVID time, I almost started naming some churches because they were just getting this out of hand. There was a youth pastor gathering that met, met, met during COVID, and they said to all their kids to stay away from us in the, in the schools or wherever we were going. I couldn't even believe that. One of my friends told me, uh, you know, a while back, he said, yeah, man, they, they called a whole meeting about you guys. I said, they didn't even invite me to the meeting. I said, at least the mayor put up our name and let us know she was talking about us. These people are cowards, man. They're having a whole meeting. They don't even invite me. They don't even tell me. We're going to be discussing Metro Praise today. Anybody from Metro Praise want to come talk about what they're doing? They just went off on their own. You have a decision to make, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Please hear me. Everyone look up at me, please. Your beautiful Sunday morning faces. I am not here for my ego, but I am here to have a church that follows the, the letter of the word. If you ignore this, you're going to be ignored. But if you come alongside this, notice what it says. You'll have a joy with me and not a burden, and it will benefit you. That's why when people come, I, I had this one couple come the other day to the church, and uh, I think it was like their second time here, and they're like, man, this is my church. And I, whenever I hear that, I'm like, whoa, now. <laughs> hold up. Hold up. Hold up. I just want to make sure you understand what you're saying here. I named about three churches in the area. And I said, why don't you go visit them and then come back around here? I said, because I want you to understand this is what we do here. This is what we do. That's why a lot of times I'm not a greeter at the front door, you know, scare people away. No, but seriously, because they're like, Pastor, we love you. Because, you know, imagine this. You come to a church, you hear a great uh, worship, uh, you know, team, you know, you sing the songs, you hear a message. Maybe I was talking about loving your neighbor, and it just sits right with you. This is my church. Hold on. Go back and read all of our things on the website. Go back and check out everything that we put up there. Why? Because we want you to make the right decision. I want to show you something in closing before we go. Put up Francis Chan's church. Francis Chan was a large mega church pastor, and he started a 
house church movement and went in the total opposite direction. And this brother, I could relate to him. Do you know that they don't even put their address on their website? And you think about it, and you're like, man, that's kind of weird. Why don't you put your address on your website? But imagine if you're a guy like Francis Chan, and you wrote all these books, and people think they know you, and they're just going to keep showing up to your church, and then when they get offended by you, they're going to try to tell somebody on the way out that you've just spent years winning to the Lord. Now they're going to try to influence that person. You could see where he's coming from. Can I hear an amen? I mean, if you can see where he's coming from, I'm not saying you have to agree with them, but how many can understand where he's coming from? Now, just notice this. It's called We Are Church, and just scroll down for them. Just scroll down. There it is. There is no address. Now, notice this right here. I'm new. Hit it, please. I'm new. No address for We Are Church. Scroll down. Now, notice this right here. As you've been praying and seeking the Lord's direction in your life, perhaps you felt led to join us at We Are Church. We want to make sure that it's the right fit for you. Check out this video to help guide you through our two-step membership process. You haven't even been given an address yet. Do you understand? We want to make sure this is good for you. Here's the video. Now just scroll down. We're not going to watch their video, though that would be fun. There's the, the first one. That's the introduction one, step one, and then step two. Keep scrolling. There you go. Now notice this. Please fill in the form to get connected to a local church in one of the available church regions. Then during the first month, as you're gathering with us, watch the following eight video series covering the values and practices of WAC, We Are Church, and discuss with you, with your pastors, if you have any questions. <laughs> I'm not saying we're doing this. I'm just saying, I'm not the only pastor who's gone crazy, man. You get to a point, I'm just being real with you. You get to a point as a pastor where you're just like, I'm done. You get what I'm saying, Is he Like, I got too many things I have to do. I've got six children. I'm trying to start a Bible college. There's a hundred people in the church that would rather me teach a Bible study to than argue about something I've already discussed a thousand times. Like, and there's a dying world out there that I try to get out to as much as I can. I don't have time for people to question my motives of he does this because he's insecure. I don't have time for that. Well, have his pastor come to, no, he's come to the meeting, and I'll tell my troubles to him. No, just email him 20 more times like you did, and he'll keep ignoring you, right? Because you get to a point, let's just get real, where you realize that church has no longer been church anymore. What church has become, and I've been talking about it in the first service, is what church has become is just another restaurant where you just get it your way, right away, and if you're not happy, you're leaving the review and you're just rolling out into the next one. This brother, I don't agree with him, but the, you know, I'm not going to his church, in other words, okay? And you saw an address on our flyers, and you don't have to watch an eight video series to decide whether or not you want to attend, okay? But I know where he's coming from. Because when you look at the lives of the disciples, and maybe just be patient with me, saints, I do want to get more into this, I guess, since I brought this up. Go to 1 Thessalonians 2, 4 through 7. When you see what a pastor is giving to you, it's not just their doctrine. They're actually giving you their lives. And they don't just want to keep pouring it out to people who don't want it. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 4, please. Notice what Paul said. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God. 
who tests our hearts, you know we never used flattery, nor did we put a mask on to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, nor from you or anyone else, even though as apostles of Christ, we could have asserted our authority, could have put you in your place. Instead, we were like young children among you. I think about all the times I've brought in people over to my house. Man, let's just hang out like a child, just meeting somebody on the playground. Oh, you got a big truck. I got a big truck. Why don't you come on over and see my truck? Do you know how many times after service I've just, like, made my wife, like, totally have to, like, pray to Jesus for help because I've brought in people home from the church. And she's like, what's going on? I just invited four people home today. We're going to have fun with them. And my wife's like, you did what? You did you, what? I had this and this and this to do. So if you have ever come to my church, my house after a church on Sunday, that's what happened. Every time. There was no, if it was a spur of the moment thing, it was because that's what we did. But now watch this. When, we, when I hung out with some of these people, it was like, oh man, you love Jesus? I love Jesus. Oh, you like telling people about, I love telling people. That's how I am natural. How many have seen that personality come out for me? You haven't seen a strong a leader in the sense of when we first met and hung out, I wasn't trying to manipulate you. I was just excited you were excited. How many felt that? Some of you still are like that with me. Like TJ and I probably have still to this day have not had too many like drop down, like serious, you know, get down and wrestle through an issue. We're still like, yo, dude, you love Jesus? I love Jesus. You preaching about Jesus? I'm preaching about Jesus. Man, you want to go to this place to do that? Let's go do that. Oh, you did that? Oh, man. That's Izzy and I. So many of you are still like that with me because we haven't had to fight and argue about anything. I mean, it's okay if some of you and I have fought and argued about something, but I'm just saying, I mean, it, that's how we were like. We were just like children. I mean, I love Jesus. You love Jesus. Yeah, you want to go, go on my truck? I got a truck. Let's go preach on the truck. Seriously, I've had people come from out of town, and they're like, what do you guys do? We go on a truck. You want to go on the truck? I'll take you right now, honey. I can't come home. I'm going to go on the truck with this guy. Who is he? I just met them. They're cool kids. They're cool kids. They're, they're my friends from down the street. You know what I'm saying? It's like your children. Let's hang out. Let's go for God. I've met pastors like that. Seriously, man, you're a cool pastor. I'm, a, I'm trying to be a cool pastor. You're a cool pastor, man. You want to hang out? Let's go hang out. Let's talk to our moms. I mean, our wives. They'll let us hang out. Okay, now we're hanging out. Dude, let's, let's share a hotel room together. Some of you who know this, pray for Pastor Eddie of City Lights. That's what Pastor Eddie and I of City Lights were like. Pastor Eddie and I of City Lights were like best friends. And he went through some very hard times. And I was there, and it broke my heart in a million pieces, and that's where I'll leave it. But pray for Pastor Eddie of City Lights. He was the one that renovated this building. He always used to tell me, man, you know, I've been in this city for years. I've worked for a big church. Man, I don't know too many pastors like you. Man, you just, you're just always out there. You're always real. I love that about you. That's the way I am. That's why Paul was. That's the way good pastors are. Now, they may not, like today, pastor, take me to your house. No, I'm not doing that today, but maybe we'll do that another day, right? Like, I can't do it all the time, but you get my heart. That's how Paul was. I can relate to this. This, to me, is like what it feels like. But then now notice what he says. He goes from being the child to the mother right here. Notice this. He goes from being the child to the mother. Instead, we were like young children among you. That's how they were like young children. But now notice this. And just as nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. See, that's what a good pastor does. I remember having a meeting with a couple that was thinking about going through a divorce. She was so mad in the meeting. She got up and stormed out, slammed my door. And the husband looked at me. 
And he was like, man, I'm sorry. That, you know, he was like just like thrown off by it. Like, I can't believe she acted like that in front of you because she's done that in front of me. And he thought like I was just going to be like the most judgiest person. I was like, dude, go get her. <laughs> go get her. Like, we're good. Like, we're still having the meeting. I, I can take it. You're good. I'm good. Let's go. Let's get, get her back in. We're not, we're not giving up here. We're not done. We don't, we don't throw this sister away now. We're, we're hanging in with her. And literally, he had to drive next to her in a car down the block. Got her. Brought her back. Okay. You still ready for the meeting? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm sorry about that, Pastor. Okay, we're good. Let's go on. You understand what I'm saying? I've seen people at their worst. And, but God forbid, Pastor raised his voice to me one time. God, God forbid, Pastor, say something I disagree with. I have to impugn his motives. I have to take him to task. I have to call this whole church a cult. Instead of just going, hey, we just disagree. Right? There's no moral thing here. I just disagree with you. Okay, let's move on. He said, I was like a nursing mother taking care of children. We cared for you because we loved you so much. We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. You know how many times my wife and I have said, I regret hanging out with that person in the church? Zero times. You pick out the biggest, messiest person, any scenario you can imagine, my wife and I have never regretted it one time. Why? Because that's what you do as a pastor. You share your life. You get up. You give it your best shot. You see who's with you at the end of the day, you know, in the church, and then you keep going. Some people get on the bus. Some people get off the bus, but that bus is running by that bus stop today. Are you listening? Some, some, I'm telling you, some people will try to get onto that bus and tell him to go somewhere else. But he's going to say, no, I'm not going to do that. That's the bus. That's what it does. You can get angry at that bus driver. You can tell him whatever, but he's listening to his boss. How many know that that boss of the bus driver doesn't want them going off the route? Because that's the boss of that bus driver and the city who hired that person. He can't take that bus wherever he wants. And yet sometimes people want us to change and do whatever they want. No, man, if I did that, I wouldn't be who God wanted me to be. It's been a joy. Notice this. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil, hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to you. My wife and I have loved pastoring this church. We don't have any complaints. As a matter of fact, when I talk to our leaders, I say to them, if I ever quit on ministry and I write a book about you guys and I complain, you better call that publisher and say, that pastor is a liar. <laughs> we were good to him and to her. That pastor is a liar. So if you ever hear me come out, oh, it was so hard being in ministry. I want Lauren to come out and be like, no, it wasn't. We loved him. We supported him. We helped. We did everything we could for Jesus. He's a liar. He's weak. He's lazy. Don't publish that book. But you know, the world would love something like that. Like now I've come out the closet. Now I'm this universalist pastor that's trying to find my identity. And I'm going to speak about all the bitterness I have towards the people who hurt me in church who didn't listen to me, who talked about my family behind her. Like, I'm just going to tell the world. Oprah would love to hear that story, wouldn't she? But I would be a liar. 
Because any trial I've ever gone through, even the tears that I've shed, even people that have broken my heart, you know what it's been like? It's been like a mother taking care of her children. And at the end of the day, everybody please hear me on this, at the end of the day, that may not be what you want. I get it, and it's a good time to find a church that is what you want. Some people, let's just be honest, you like the idea of attending a church that feels more like a a conference. Like you just kind of show up, you do what you want, and then you move on. You go about your day. That's, that's between you and God. That's not what we're going to do here. We're not going to be overbearing. We're not going to be quick-tempered and, and rude to you. But we want to work with you. And let me just say this last thing in closing. I think it's our third closing. Are you keeping count? It's at least the third, maybe the fourth possibly. We are a body called the body of Christ. And anyone that thinks that I have a more superior role doesn't understand the body. I take courage in knowing that when I do my role, you're doing your role just as good. Like this is my gift, right? I study the Bible. I've gone to Bible college. I have an edge to this. But I don't have an edge to counseling. Pastor Berto has that. I don't have an edge to singing. Jerry has that. I don't have an edge to adminning. Uh, uh, Lauren has that. I don't have an edge to being a hip, cool, young adult. Lawrence has that. And you know what? All of them can talk and speak too. You've heard them all preach. The only reason why I'm still the main speaker here on a Sunday is because this is my assignment. But every one of those that I just named to you, at any time they want, they can go start their own. They can. The only reason why we haven't sent them all out yet is because they see that it's not the time. But whenever it's TJ's time, we'll send him out. Go and preach every week, dude. That'll be your time. Jared, think about it. Pastor Jared was with me for 10 years, listening to me. Now he speaks every week. He'll never go back to this. It's, it's, it's over. He'll, he'll now forever be the guy talking every week. Your season. That's it. I'll never be under my pastor every day anymore. Now I'm a pastor. It's just like a father. I'll never be in my father's house anymore because now I'm a father. How many get that? You'll never live back in your mother's house. You're a mother now. That's just the way it is. And so brothers or sisters, I want you, if you're here, to pray for us as we go back to the notes because that's the context. Obey your leaders. Submit to them. Have confidence in them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, because they watch over you. And as one version says, they keep watch over your souls. And you want to do this the right way so it's a benefit to you. And then now look at what he says in verse 18. Pray for us. Somebody say pray for us. Don't gossip about us. Don't be bitter from us if we made a mistake. Your hurt may be real, but pray for us. Pray for your pastors. Pray for your leaders. Maybe you don't lead a home Bible study yet, but you want to. So your calling is not maybe to be a pastor, but you want to be the one with the Bible study. You want to be the one that people come over to the house and you get to host. Okay, but right now it's your turn to be under one. And while you're there, pray for your leader. I don't feel my leader always says the right thing. Okay, well, pray for them. Maybe they'll ask you next time. But you pray, and what happens? God not only changes the person you're praying for, but who who does God also change? He changes you. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. 
And this is what, I mean, I said a lot today, but this is what I would hope everybody who agrees with me or disagrees with me would be able to say. You know what? We had some disagreements with Metro Praise, but man, they believe in what they, what they teach over there. Man, they live honorably. You meet somebody from Metro Praise, they're going to be a person that keeps their word. You meet somebody from Metro Praise, oh yeah, they may rebuke you three times before they, they even prayed for the meal, but those people have a clear conscience, man. They live honorably. Lord, help that to be our testimony. I know I can't stop people from saying if I don't have that, but that's what really bothers me the most. You all get that? Is that somebody would say our leaders are hypocrites and we don't live holy. Because I know what our leaders go through. I know the lives that they lead. I know the marriages that they have. I know the children that they're raising up. And, And sometimes, man, I'll never forget it when I was in Bible college and, you know, you're new to it. You don't understand. You don't know what's really going on. You're kind of new. And I just remember these people were talking about the leaders there. And I, I mean, I, I, I listened, right? I shouldn't have, but I did because I don't know. Maybe it's true. Maybe I am in the cult. I don't know. I just showed up to the Bible college. But as I began to know these leaders, now I look back at it and it was a shame that people would talk about our leaders that way. Because it was those very leaders that would bring us to their home for Christmas. It was those leaders that uh, one of the times I had heat exhaustion, uh, putting up a tent by myself in the middle of New Orleans summer with jeans on because I didn't believe in wearing shorts in ministry. And I passed out in the bus that uh, was there with the workers. So I had about a team of about 100 young people, and none of them understood how to put up the tent. And so I was one of those hard-headed people. I was like, I'll just do it myself because it's going to take too long to explain it to you. So I'm putting up the tent, and then all of a sudden they're like, are you okay? Because I was down like this, and I'm just sweating. And they're like, walk over here. And I just fell on the steps of the bus, and they're like, what do we do? And I'm like, call my pastor. <laughs> and then they sent somebody and they figured it out. And then my pastor brought me to his house, gave me Gatorade. His wife took care of me. See, I think back now. Yet that first week when I came, someone wanted me to have a different opinion of them. Imagine if that week I was there, uh, that first week, I would have taken on that opinion of those precious people. I would have never have had a 30-year relationship with people that have loved me like family. I'm not saying there wasn't a bad one because maybe there was something going wrong and, and I probably should have listened a little bit, but I mean, I shouldn't have listened as much as I did and I shouldn't have cared. I was a new kid. Why does that bother me? But yet, see, that kind of person wanted to influence everybody. Everyone had to hear it. And at the end of the day, even giving that person more credit probably than they ever gave the, the professors, you know what? All they had to simply say was, hey, this is not the school for me. Uh, hope, you, hope it goes better for you, but I'm, I'm dropping out. Don't you think that would have been more honorable? Instead, they had to try to tear down that place. They had to make it look bad. And in every relationship, listen to me, every capital E, every relationship I've ever been in that's meant something, I've always had people say things about that relationship. Every single time. As a matter of fact, there are some of you that are here that people talk about you and want to influence me to the way I think about you. But I'm like, no, no, no. I'm giving them a fresh start. I'm giving them a chance. They have the opportunity, just like you have the opportunity, they can make a difference here for Jesus. 
And that's why I think churches like this grow and they expand and people wonder like, why do these guys give so much to Jesus? Even like Francis Chan's ministry. And I think the, uh, the reason is, is because people are believed in who were never really believed in. One of the reasons I love Brother Anthony so much in my personal life, that's my pastor, if you don't know what I'm talking about, he raised me up in Bible college by God's grace, is he believed in me when others didn't. Like he cared. That's my family now. We may not always agree, but that's my family. And so it's the same thing in Metro Praise. I talk to some of you, and you say, man, I was a part of this church for years, and I was a, uh, you know, involved in this church for years, but I never got to preach. I never got to really get trained. No one ever asked me if I was called into the ministry. No one even asked if I would do a Bible study. Those things never came across my table. And yet, since I've been a part of Metro Praise, you guys are discipling me. You're taking me out one-on-one. -on -one. You're helping me to do a Bible study. Like, the reason why I think we grow is because we care. Someone cared about us. My wife, when she was in youth ministry, nobody ever asked her if she was called into ministry. No one ever tried to get her into Bible college. They just accepted whatever she gave. She's the admin. She's the one who does this. This Go ahead, come to the mission trip every now and then. But this woman was sitting on a call from God. It's up to you whether or not you want it, though. Because here's what we're not going to do is be overbearing. So ask yourself this question as we get ready to go, young and old alike. Are you willing to join an army of, of radical disciples for Jesus and go all in and give it your best? Because that's what we're doing. When I go home tonight, I want to lay down my head tonight and say I gave it my best. Not did I try to manipulate TJ to go out evangelizing tonight or did I manipulate the, you know, the Beltazars to start a Bible study in their house. No, it's, hey man, did I go today? Did I preach my guts out? Did I give it all on the field? Did I not hold anything back? Well, then if that's what God you had me to do, now I leave it up to you. And I'll say this as well. That's why some people, they say, well, I wish you would have called me more. I wish you would have done this. You know what? If you're supposed to be here, you don't need me to babysit you. Can I hear an amen to that? I was so happy when I saw a couple in the first service last week. I hadn't seen them for a while. And guess what? When they came, I took them out to eat the first time they came. I was, I was so excited because I knew this guy from another place. And I was like taking them out. And I was like, man, making this happen. And uh, my wife couldn't even make it. So you know that's weird when I just take you out by myself, you know. But I did it because I was so excited. But then they stopped coming. So look at this. Here pastor goes out of his way. Some of you are like, you haven't done that for me. Well, I just did it for them and it didn't work. So I don't know what's going on, right? So I just did it because I felt like doing it. And so I, I do the whole meal thing with them. They don't show up for a while. Then I see them in the back right here as we're leaving uh, last week as I'm getting ready for second service heading towards my little office there. And I shake his hand, and I go, man, it's so good to see you here, brother. And he goes, man, it's good to be back. And I, when I, I was still holding on to his hand, and I looked him in the eye, and I go, you know I'm not chasing you, right? And he goes, no. And I said, you come around when you're ready for this, right? Because you're here now, right? And he goes, yeah. And you know what I love? God bless this sister. She said, and that's the way it's supposed to be. Thank you, pastor. Because you know what? She didn't want me to try to hunt down and manipulate her husband to bring her back to that church. He's either going to do it because he wants to, or he's not doing it at all. Now, some of you, you get those calls, and that's awesome. Some of people here, they check up on you like that. We do that as a, as a, as a, as a way of reminder. I'm just telling you about my personal calling. I'm not going to do that with you. I'm going to show up here every week by God's grace. I'm going to go to the outreaches. I'm going to do all that. And whoever's there, we're holding up the gospel flag. We're going to live and die together. Amen. And I'll tell you this right now. It's never been more fun. And I hope that you're having fun. I hope your family's having fun. I hope it's not a burden for you. 
It's not been a burden for me. I can stay here for the rest of the day, but I know you guys have to get going. But if you're ready to live for Jesus, would you stand up? Give him a hand clap of praise. Come on, say thank you, Jesus, for your word. Amen. Band and altar workers, would you come, please? Thank you for your patience. Obey your leaders, the Bible says. I hope that I'm a good one. Father, thank you for this awesome day. I pray you bless us as we go. Those who want to stay and hang out, Lord, I pray that we experience your power. Those who need salvation, would you call on Jesus now? Repent.